You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. Thank you so much for joining. It is extremely early where I am on this Tuesday morning. January 26th, the year of our Lord, 2021. We have got a jam-packed podcast. It is wall-to-wall Q&A. That's the way we do the extra pods. If you want to submit questions, please do. It's your show. Feel free. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. On Twitter, at LateKickJosh. Following's getting pretty big there. I appreciate you guys following me. If you haven't already, let me repeat. Let me echo it. At LateKickJosh. At LateKickJosh. There you go. Okay. It's been a busy night, so I have not gone to sleep yet. It's... uh. It is the wee-wee hours of the morning. No matter where you live in the U.S., it's after midnight. Let me put it that way. Bad weather in northern Birmingham. I know we got a very, very concentrated portion of our listening audience that lives in, for instance, the state of Alabama. A lot of you live in cities like Birmingham. Fultondale is just north of Birmingham. Really familiar with that area. Know a lot of people in that area. Uh, Looks like we had a pretty major tornado come through there tonight. You know my proclivity for storm chasing. This is the time of year where I start to really be on guard. We had some bad weather come through Nashville last night, and so been paying attention to that. This is our first uh, really kind of vigorous storm system that's come through the southeast so far in the new year, and those will be more plentiful as we head towards the spring months. But I say all that to say, pray for you guys and pull it for you guys in the northern Birmingham area. Normally, you have to have the benefit of sunlight to know the full extent of this damage, but it sounds like we're going to probably have some pretty bad information by the time that you hear this, actually. So, Always rooting for no fatalities. Hopefully that's the case here. We'll see how things go. One thing I learned being both in the storm chasing world and the news world is I would be covering these events a lot of times. And if I wasn't covering them, I would be thrust into the role of coverage because I was there as a storm chaser and happened to have the ability to be on air. And what what I learned was, you probably observed this with natural disasters, there's this initial surge of public interest. And then it lasts a couple of days and then it's gone. But the problem is the cleanup effort's not done. And the other problem is the need for money, the need for resources, the need for water. I mean, the need for baby wipes. It doesn't go away. And we did, you know, what little part that we could do on Lake Kick this last fall during hurricane season when Louisiana, our folks down there just got battered. So we did some good things and our listening audience and viewing audience was able to contribute in a positive way there. So I would just encourage you, go out of your way. Because uh, you know that just as much as you're listening to this right now in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Colorado Springs, Colorado, there is someone whose only difference is they're happening to listen in northern Alabama and they got hit by this. So keep your eyes peeled. If you can help out, find ways to help out. Really, really big on community. Family and community. That's how I was raised. That's how you know we got things done and were able to help people out back down in Georgia You know when we had problems there and we've had them. In this sort of manner, actually, we've had them. And so, you know, if I've got a platform here, that's the way I try and leverage it in situations like these. And it can be very helpful because you guys mobilize. I saw you do it with our friends in Louisiana. And a lot of you asked to not be named. And a lot of you came forward with some very big donations. So I just want to say I appreciate it. I told you at the time, I'll tell you again, I appreciate it. If I hear of any way that we can help out here, I'll let you know. So check out the show, check out the podcast, follow me on Twitter at Josh. And I'll get all that to you. All right, we've got a lot of college football to get to this morning. I told you once, and I will tell you a thousand times. It's kind of different than the way that phrase normally goes. 
Don't be tuning out just because it's January, just because it's almost February. Jam-packed. I'm telling you, we are wall-to-wall right now. There is movement going on. We've got a five-star reveal show coming up live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel this Wednesday, hosted by yours truly. Don't know what the dress code there is yet. Fingers crossed they don't give me one. If they don't, you know how that'll turn out. And also, uh, next Wednesday is the National Signing Day show. So Steve Wolfong and I will be on air three hours live. Anything could happen. In the meantime, we have got a lot to talk about this morning because January, again, is not slowing down. So normally I front load the show and I go with the most juicy questions first. But you know what I figured out? They're all good. And so we're just going to kind of jumble the box here and we're going to draw them out and let's go to work. So the first question comes from the podcast review section. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. This is not the question yet. This is me talking. The five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. I was asking you guys for them. You got us well over a 1,000, and this is an Apple deal. So if you listen on Android, which, by the way, leads me to the first comment I'm about to read, but if you're listening on Android or you're on Spotify or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're a lesser person. It just means for whatever reason we value that Apple metric. So uh, you're all the same in my book. You're a winner, as Coach Coach Herman Boone would say. You're a Hall of Famer in my book. But with that being said, let me just read you this little comment. Like, Go Vols Brad on Sunday submitted a five-star review and said, I listened to every episode from an Android, so I had to get my wife's iPhone to give a review. Love the show and the insight. I appreciate that. And Brad, you are doing the Lord's work. And don't let anyone tell you that you're not. So the first actual question this morning, now that I get around to it, the first question this morning is in the podcast review. This is from Chris, and he says, Could you give me an explanation as to why high-powered offenses are so hard to stop? I've heard you say great receivers can even make future starting NFL defenders look silly. Why do matchups seem to lean in favor of receivers in today's game? It's a good question. I think it sounds like it's common sense on the surface, but as is usually the case, the answer has several layers. So let's start right now. Modern day Most of the elite skill players, I just call them skill perimeter guys because that encompasses DBs and wide receivers for my purposes. Most of them play receiver today. We used to, not even a decade ago, have closer to a 50-50 split. I mean, you had some of the best athletes playing corner and some of the best athletes playing receiver. And it's not that there are no elite athletes at corner anymore, but now you're starting to lean more 70-30, 75-25. You're putting those guys on offense. You just watched Alabama win a national title. I'm going to draw back to them in just a second. Alabama has guys playing offense now that would have been playing defense for them less than a decade ago. It's just the way the sports evolved. Now, that's a very lazy way to sum it up. It's just the way the sports evolved. Chris is asking, how specifically has it happened? So let's unwind it in not too long a form here. Speed and space is a phrase that you hear constantly in the clinic world when you're listening to coaches in an off-the-record setting. Offensive guys and defensive guys, really. One of them's talking about how to utilize it. The other one's talking about how to stop it. Everyone is focused on speed and space. And there's no need to have a grease board. There's no need to have intimate knowledge of position groupings and philosophies. You don't really even need to understand all that to just know someone essentially looked at a football field and finally realized, wait a second, this thing's 53 yards wide? Why in the world are we playing in a phone booth? I mean, outside of the few programs that can recruit at a high level, we'll never have the personnel to match up with them, man for man, just physically. So we need to find a new way to do this. Now, this didn't happen over the span of one collective offseason, but finally the entire sport shifted to this philosophy. And they looked around and they said, we're going to use the entire width of this field and we're going to use all the athletes at our disposal and we're going to take the speed, the fast ones, 
and we're going to utilize the space. This is a really big football field. If they can defend that entire thing, then we'll tip our cap to them. But we're going to make them do it, and we're going to put the defense in constant conflict. And that means, basically, you not being able to figure out what to do quick enough if you're a defender. That's where the RPO and the rule changes come in. And really, it's not so much the rule changes, it's what the college rules allow you to do. For instance, in the RPO game, if I'm a safety and I've been taught my whole career to read certain keys from an offensive lineman, let's say, as me reading run or pass, and all of a sudden that offensive lineman is telling me run and I key on run, and then all of a sudden the ball's in the air, well, I look stupid. What am I supposed to do? It looks like the defensive call was blown. It looks like the defensive coordinator doesn't know what he's doing. No, it's just the RPO. Listen to coaches talk about it. You can find RPO clinic tape from now until the end of eternity on YouTube. If you're bored and you're so interested, you can go listen at how simple they make it sound. When you're allowed to go three yards downfield instead of the NFL rule, which is one, for an offensive lineman, you can sell run in order to set up a pass in the RPO game. The RPO game, if you're running it right, an offensive coordinator will tell you, if I got the proper skill, is pretty impossible to defend. And so... I want you to think now, going back to Alabama, I told you I was about to reference them, think a decade ago. I mean, if they were going to attack you with wide receivers, what did they have? Well, they had a freak show out of Foley, Alabama. His name was Julio Jones, and he's 6'4", 220. He ends up posting a sub 4440 when he gets to the combine a few years later. He's got a vertical of 40-plus inches. Just, I mean, he, he is a human being. Like, he has a face and two arms and two legs, but that's about where the similarities end between you and me and anyone else you know in Julio Jones. Because otherwise, he was created in a lab. And it was great to have guys like him. A.J. Green comes out, same class, by the way, at Georgia. Guys like those, the 6'4 rarities who have all the elite physical traits and they have the size, you can just jump ball a team to death. When's the last time you saw Alabama throw a jump ball? Not a contested ball. Contested balls happen, but a true 50-50, we're just going to throw it up, jump ball. They don't do it anymore. I think I watched every snap of Alabama this year. I don't even remember them doing it. Every Alabama wide receiver looks the same now. They're all 5'10 to 6'1". They're all in the 170 to 180-pound range. None of them approach 200, but yet they can all outrun their own shadow. And they're all technicians and assassins in route running. They are all very precision in every single element of their craft. They have to be, or they can't get on the field, but they don't sacrifice one thing to get another thing is the point. They're all just premier in every sense of the word, and they're fast, and they get in space, and that's how you beat teams now instead of getting the big wide receivers and out physicaling corners. And so when you do all those things at a high level, and you've got your best athletes playing wide receiver, and you can recruit offensive linemen like Alabama can, for example, well, then it kind of looks like a video game. But even if you can't afford yourself the opportunity to have all that elite skill, philosophically, what Alabama does can still work if you have fractions of the talent they have. Whereas a decade ago, if you had fractions of the talent Alabama had, and you tried to steamroll the opposition the way they did, it would never work. You know, just to give you a a very small microcosm, if you looked at what Bobby Petrino started to do at Arkansas before things went off the road, literally, that's why Bobby Petrino had a lot more chance to succeed at Arkansas than Brett Bielema did. You can't out-Alabama Alabama if you're at Arkansas now, and you never have been able to if they're operating at maximum efficiency. So 
Folks realize we need to do it a different way. Well, the problem is the guy in Tuscaloosa decided he was going to do it that way too. So now the next great adventure in the sport of college football is, well, how do you counter that? And there are different philosophies out there, but how do you counter that? Because now the big boy on the block and the big boys on the block, well, they can all run up the score on you too. So you no longer have this advantage the way that you did a decade ago where, you know, you kind of, I call it walking in the back door and slapping someone in the back of the head before they even know you're in the room. Like when you watched Johnny Manziel or those early, early Gus Malzahn teams at Auburn against Alabama, that's kind of the way it felt. That's not the way it feels anymore. Because even if you hang 40 on them, they can hang 60 on you. Ask Lane Kiffin. So the next great adventure in college football is how do we counter the counter? And that, my friends, is one thing I don't have an answer to this morning. Now, moving on, Jeremiah had a question. Okay, I want to get to this one. Yeah, we need to get this one out of the way now. Jeremiah asks, can Tennessee get our stupid boosters out of the way so we can finally run a coaching search the right way and get the right hire? Well, Jeremiah, you better hope those boosters aren't gotten out of the way or else you can't have a successful program. I know we bang on these folks a lot. I know the booster is kind of a monolithic, all-encompassing term. Well, it's, it's very wide. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum is what it is. Booster I mean, what is a booster, okay? For those of you who may be very new to the world of college football, these are just people who donate money to the football program. I mean, sometimes it's a couple of thousand dollars a year. Sometimes it's several million dollars a year. And obviously, you're granted, you tend to be granted a little bit more access the bigger that check is. Well, obviously, you're in a catch-22 situation. You need those paychecks in order to fund a lot of the things that you want to do with your program. However, people, when they tend to write a four or five million dollar per year paycheck, they want something in return. And all too often, it could be at Tennessee, it could be at Alabama, it could be at Texas. What they want in return is the ability to dictate certain operational aspects of the football program. That is a no-no. That's an, Just because you made your fortune in concrete doesn't mean you understand how to run an athletic department. But the money you made in the concrete world buys you access to the football department, and therein lies a lot of the problem. It's a very, very delicate balance. Uh, we're just talking about Alabama there. The key thing that Nick Saban was able to do when he came in Alabama, I've told this story before, he had the gravitas. He had the shoulders. He had the chest. I don't care what he physically looks like. Figuratively, he had all these characteristics that it took to walk in, look at one of the brand names in the history of the sport that was a mess internally, and say, here's what I'm going to need. And if you're not on board with that, then either I'm going to be here or you're going to be here, but we will not both be here. And they excommunicated some folks. They disassociated some folks and had some other folks just walk away from giving seven figures per year to that university. Because Nick Saban said, I don't care how much money they're giving. Listen, when we start winning here, money will never be a problem around this place again. What they want in return for that check they're writing is not something that my program is going to give them. And I, listen, the stories about what the University of Alabama was like pre-Nick Saban are pretty crazy. I, I, that's why I think it compares very favorably, and maybe in some cases a little bit worse to where Tennessee is right now. Internally, I mean, you can look at records any given year, but just the internal dynamic, it had totally rotted there. And it, believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there. I was talking with a good friend on the phone about this who's kind of close to these situations earlier this week. And it's hard to believe for the casual fan, but I am telling you, as sure as the day is long, this is true. There are people who would much rather have a 6-6 six and six caliber program where they have access and they have clout and they can go and 
head out to eat with their buddies on Friday night and share some inside information and some scoop because they know the defensive coordinator or the running backs coach gives them a little advanced heads up on recruiting. They would rather be in that situation than have a perennial playoff contender where they're just sitting in the stands along with everyone else. I mean, granted, they're in a suite and you're in the upper deck, but they don't want that. You can't believe that in a lot of cases, but that is absolutely the God's honest truth. So, Back to Tennessee, where Jeremiah asked this question about, can we get these boosters out of the way? You better not get the boosters out of the way. You better get the boosters in line. That's what you have to do. There are some very big names in and around Knoxville, and I think a lot of the people up there know who I'm talking about, and if you don't, the names probably wouldn't mean a lot to you, and it's not unique to Tennessee. You don't get them out of the way. You got to get them in line. That's why the Danny White hire as athletic director is so critical. Is that the kind of guy that walks in and says, here's how we're going to do things, even though I'm brand new here. I've been here five minutes. You've been here 50 years. Here's how we're going to do things. And if you don't like it, for the best interest of the program you claim to love, we got to have you stand over there. Just outside the fence, please. You can come in when the general public can come in. Can he do that? If he can do it, and early indications are people up there believe he can, then the ones that are left, they'll get in line. Tennessee's not going to be hurting for money. I don't think they are. But my point behind kind of demonizing boosters a lot of times is I think sometimes boosters are demonized. And in reality, there are many layers to the problem. Second time I've used that word already this morning. There are very, very many layers to the problem. It's not always as cut and dry as, oh, boosters are killing our program. Well, what if you have a combination of meddlesome boosters. You got the wrong athletic director. You've got wasteful spending habits up and down your athletic department. You've got a result-oriented vision that does not have the slightest clue as to how to install the process that it takes to achieve it. And all the while, you're competing against the best in the country. Well, that gets a little more complicated. You can't just walk in and go and have the answer. You know, It takes a little while to clean that out. But in reality, when you have problems in college football and major college athletics, it looks like that more often than it looks like one or two boosters who are just sullying the entire image of the program. So at Tennessee, the answer is not, to, in conclusion, or any major program, to get rid of the booster. You got to have them. You, that's, the, that's the sad truth in this case for you, Jeremiah. You got to have them. I don't know how in the world you think you're going to write these paychecks if you don't have them. You got to have them, but you got to have them bought in and all pulling the same direction with the right mentality. Then you can do some pretty special things. All right, moving on. Let's head to the Twitter inbox here. SCO Ducks asks, what was your first move you made to start your career path at 24-7? I know you were a textile employee, but what did you do to get back in the football world? Well, brother, I was never in the football world prior to my endeavors in the textile world. I've told this story a lot. When I do the private consultations, which are available right now if you want to book one, email me, joshpate706 at gmail.com or on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. When I'm doing these consultation sessions on Zoom, a lot of times folks will ask, you know, a derivative of that question. How did you get into sports media? And that's where I go back to. I go back to working in the world of textiles, uh, fabric, to be exact. I worked in a fabric warehouse in Columbus, Georgia, and I would listen to sports talk radio no different than the rest of you do pretty much every single day. Uh, back then, it was just radio. And when I say back then, it's only 10 years ago. But you know, now you have podcasting options. It was still brand new back then. It was very niche-based. Only people who were super rich and could afford such contraptions listened to podcasts. So I would sit on the floor with my clipboard in hand or, you know, would be unloading the Southeastern freight truck and 50-pound rolls of fabric, hauling them back and forth all day. Sports talk radio was the only thing that made those days go by. 
And so I was listening to Sports Talk Radio every day. I'd listen to Mike and Mike in the morning. I'd listen to Cowherd when he was still at ESPN Radio. Uh, the afternoon slot kind of varied. I can't remember who all was on there. And then there was a local afternoon drive time show that was on in Columbus, uh, hosted by my good buddy, Bobby Z. Big Packers fan, tough weekend for him, uh, but gave me my big break in the business. So I will forever be in debt to him. And I didn't have a way in, is my point. So here's what I did. I uh, got in touch with him, him being Bobby, and I said, man, can I just come in there? We've never met before. I don't know you. You don't know me. But can I come in there and can I just observe? I just want to see what it's like in a radio station. So he said, yeah, come on over. And so I came over there. And I had, the year prior, been riding around in my truck because I know repetition is the most valuable resource you can have in anything. So I would ride around in my Tundra or just ride around Columbus, going to and from class, going to and from work. And I would mute the radio and I would just simulate doing talk radio segments by myself, talking to myself like a crazy person. Well, it paid off because that was the repetition that got me prepared for the day where I was eventually in that radio studio when he said, hey, co-host is out sick today. Do you want to come on air? I had about 15 minutes advanced warning. I didn't know driving up to the studio that day, walking in there, that that day professionally and in a lot of ways, lot of ways personally would change my life, but it did. And so I go on air. We have a great show. It's afternoon drive. It's a lot of caller-generated format. And so I loved it. I mean, I felt like I had done it 10 years. And afterwards, he asked me, hey, how... um." How'd you get in this business? Where did you say you had worked before this? And I told him I haven't done radio. He thought I was lying to him only because I sounded halfway prepared because I had prepared myself with hundreds of hours of simulated segments in my truck. That's literally how I coached myself. I didn't have a day's worth of training. In fact, to this day, I've never had anyone train me on how to do anything. I've never, I've never had consultants come in at any point and coach me as to any kind of facet of my on-air presentation. I had to just learn it on the fly. Did it in radio a few years later when I was hired to be a sports anchor and then eventually a news anchor. The first time I was ever in a TV studio, I was on live TV. Never read a prompter before until I read one on live TV. And that sucked, let me tell you. But it paid off in the long run and I'm here now. But the point is being prepared and being in the right place before the right time ever comes along. I guess is the answer to the question. Because had I not driven around like a crazy dude talking to myself, I never would have had the repetition. I would have had a ton of rust on me. I would not have known anything about pacing, about tone, about tempo, about verbiage, about all the sorts of keywords that you want to hit and the elements you want to incorporate in your on-air delivery. And I would not have had that that day. Had I not had that that day, maybe things work out, maybe they don't. I can certainly promise you they would not have worked out the way that they have. And I wouldn't change a thing about the way that they've worked out because it ultimately leads to this moment. There are many different ways you can skin that cat. But as I was telling someone earlier tonight on a consultation, just because you don't have a podcast that started right now, just because you don't have your own channel, just because a major network is not paying you six or seven figures to deliver content for them, doesn't mean you can't get repetition. Here's the added bonus. If you got the right mentality, then you'll still make it because you won't worry about being out of the spotlight grinding. And you'll also know this. Most people that you're competing with are quitting every day. Because most people can't put themselves through that. Most people cannot lower themselves to doing something for free. And so two things are happening simultaneous. Number one, you're getting your reps in, you're sharpening yourself, you're perfecting your craft, 
and the folks that you would have been competing against are falling off left and right. And then all of a sudden one day, probably when you least suspect it, you get the opportunity. And that's the last key. When you get the opportunity, you better be ready for it. I don't care if you're sick that day, you're in a bad mood, you better jump on it. You may only get one. You got to be ready for it. There are a few moments that I can look back on, maybe like one or two or three max, where I know, and I didn't know going into that day, but I can look back in retrospect and I can know those were inflection points in my life. Those were certainly in my professional career inflection points. You have no clue when they're coming. You have no clue in this business when you're interviewing for a job. I didn't know when I was, for instance, on radio, I didn't know that a general manager at a TV station was listening to me, but he was, called me out of the blue, offered me a job. I didn't know Shannon Terry and the folks at CBS and 24-7 had been listening to me while I was on YouTube, but they were. Man, you better not have a bad show. You better not let whatever mood you have on the outside affects your presentation once you get in that sphere and get in that zone. You better be consistent. Because your worst show could end up being your job interview. What if that's the only presentation of yours that someone in an influential spot ever sees? And what if you don't deliver that day? You could have completely boxed yourself out of what could be the best opportunity in your life. So that's the way I teach it. Uh, that's the only way I know how to teach it because that's the only way that I've gone about it. All right, let me wipe the sweat off my brow. We move on here. Uh, a lot of you have questions about what in the world's happening at LSU right now. So I'm going to roll them all up into a ball and we're just going to throw it against the wall right after this. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is just a beautiful moment here. I mean, sometimes the actual question gets overshadowed by the name of the person who submitted the question. And when I speak about community and togetherness amongst what I call the Late Kit crew, which is just the family of listeners that we have, here's how I know every day that we think largely the same way. I'm going to read the question, then I'll tell you the name. How do I, as an LSU fan, listen to what Coach O has to say when his predictions were so right in 2019, but so wrong in 2020? Sincerely, Cajun with trust issues. That's so beautiful. I don't know if it's on the birth certificate, but that's so beautiful. I don't know. 
is my answer. Let me very flatly say, I don't know. I'd have the trust issue. I do have the trust issues. All right, so I'm Nashvillian with trust issues right now. That's where I live. But I'm right there with you because I remember all that 2019 propheticism. And if it wasn't a word before, it is now. Very prophetic. Ed Orgeron spoke it, and into existence it came. But then he said some things the next year. You know, like, oh, for example, man, we're way better defensively with Bo Pelini. Okay. What? Yeah, he said it. Can't take it back. It's on the record. So a lot of you also were asking, and we'll just go ahead and skip to this too. You were asking about the new hires. I think it all comes down to the new hires. And then there's also a lot of external, like the Title IX investigation. There are a lot of things outside the football purview I don't pretend to be an expert on. I think it's been hard to hire assistant coaches this offseason because I think in the coaching world, a lot of folks have uncertainty about the future of the LSU program. Let's just put it out there as it is. I think that's a reality. And so this latest defensive coordinator hire is an example. Durante Jones. He wasn't their first or second or third choice. Now, that doesn't matter. As long as he's the right fit, it doesn't really matter how far down the list he was. Now, I'm assuming most of you don't know who that is. He's the DB coach or was for the Vikings. He coached with Dave Aranda at Wisconsin. So that's one thing he has going for him. Another thing he had going for him was back in the day, he did coach some high school ball down in Louisiana. I got to think that goes into this familiarity with the high school scene down there. What I always want to know when you're hiring a coordinator at this high profile of position is very simple. Has he been a coordinator before? Has the guy you're hiring for a job done the job you were hiring him for before? I don't think this is too much to ask, but yet sometimes I do have to ask it. He has. About a decade ago, he was the defensive coordinator at Bowie State. Don't even start to pretend like you know where that is because I myself had to look it up. Now, the good news is he had top three defenses nationally three out of his five years there. The bad news is, maybe it's bad news, maybe it's by choice. I'll let you decide where you stand on this, but he was never a D.C. again. He goes to Hawaii, and he was at Wisconsin, as I mentioned, and then he's been in the NFL. He was with the Bengals, he was with the Vikings. No one, though, has ever seen fit to offer this guy an elite defensive coordinator job. Now, maybe he was just waiting for the right opportunity, or maybe he's a diamond in the rough and Ed Orgeron has found him. I think we have to ask ourselves, given the total tone deafness of Ed Orgeron about the defensive coordinator position last year, do we believe that he has all of a sudden developed this keen an eye for coaching talent? Maybe he has. I will have to see it to believe it. Okay, but, uh, you know, I've been shocked before. I'll be shocked again at some point. Might as well be Ed Orgeron who does it. And we will, by the way, have the mood tracker coming up on Late Kick Live uh, eventually for LSU. I've got plenty of time for those. So I got a long list of teams coming. I know, for example, uh, 503, I saw that you asked in the podcast review section, you want an Oregon mood tracker. We will do that. I also had several requests. Brendan, I'm looking at yours in the pod review section for a Michigan mood tracker. Those are coming. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the show, Late Kick Live, on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Uh, we've been kind of going over most of the major programs, and we'll eventually, I probably think I'll cluster some of the mid-tier programs, and we just do mood trackers, kind of take a temperature of the fan base. We update those several times a year. It's, it's really fun. It's really become one of the most popular segments that we do. And as is the case, it's a direct response to ideas you guys had. I ask you all the time, give me ideas. And I'll do them uh, because, again, it is your show. And the difference between me and maybe some other people when they say that is I actually mean it. It actually is your show. So you pull the string and I'll do the talking. And that pretty much concludes our secret formula. Let's keep that between us, though. We'll let that be our little secret. We don't tell anyone that. 
All right, let's wrap it up here with this one. Good question. I actually hadn't thought about this in a while. Matthew asks, who are some of your favorite players you got to cover or watch when you were covering high school football? So this would have been when I was down in Columbus, and it's a pretty big viewing market, so there are a lot of high school teams. It gets over into East Alabama, too, uh, where, if you want me to be real with you, when I was there, the better high school football was being played. So this would have been around the 2014 to 2018, early 19 time frame. I think I may have told this story once, but if I've forgotten it, you've probably forgotten it. So I cover Central High School, which is right there near the Chattahoochee River. It's a big powerhouse program there in Phoenix City, Alabama. Big time receivers have come from there. Justin Ross playing at Clemson. EJ Williams also at Clemson. Nice little pipeline. Uh, There have been several big names come out of there. So I'm covering several games on any given Friday night. That's the one downside when you're working in a market that size is you don't get to stay at a game until it ends. You never see endings because you got to get back to the station. You know what? Let me walk you through this. So here's the schedule. You're on air at uh, 6.25 p.m. because sports is towards the end of the newscast. And so as soon as you get off the air at 6.31 p.m., you're out the door. You're in one of the news cars. You're trying to change clothes on the fly, maybe hopefully eat something. And you're headed out, and sometimes you got to drive over an hour. It's a big viewing market. And so you're going to probably two or three high school games. You're trying to get enough footage and get out of there as quickly as you can. And then you got to get back to the station. If you got a 10 o'clock newscast, you got to wrap something early for that. But you're editing, you're writing copy, you're putting your elements in, you're submitting all those videos to the server. They got to be loaded into the rundown. And then you also got to get dressed, dare I say, put on a little makeup, some foundation lower the shine rate off the forehead, and then get on air and deliver it all. And sound like you know what you're talking about. So I didn't always get to stay and watch the whole game. Not asking you to feel sorry for me, though if you want to, I certainly will accept that. I just, this is all I've asked for in life. I just want all the credit with none of the blame. That's all I ask for. I do it every week. But anyway, so think about that hectic nature of a Friday night. Sometimes you don't really have time like you would if you're just driving up to a game to watch it. To think about the game you're about to watch and to be all read up on everything that's on the line. You know it, but it's not at the forefront of your mind. So I pull up to Central. It's early in the season. There's an out-of-region game. And Ross is down there. Justin Ross is playing for uh, Central. So he ends up going to Clemson. Now, Justin Ross, I know about. We've done features on him. And so Ross is having a pretty good game. They're playing Lee Montgomery. Ross is having a good game. I get there, I think it's uh, early, mid-second quarter, something like that. I can't exactly remember. If you go find the box score, this may not line up. But Ross is having a good game. I got my ISO shots of him. I think we're good to go. And then all of a sudden, Lee Montgomery uh, takes the field. They're on offense. And they throw what looks like a very garden-variety quick slant route over the middle. Okay, And then what looks like a normal high school kid turns into a racehorse and runs about a 2-4-8-40 the rest of the way and houses one to the end zone. It is the fastest human being I've ever seen with my eyeballs. And I've been covering SEC football. So every Saturday I've been on the sideline at the biggest games in the SEC. And I'm looking at this kid that plays for Lee Montgomery and he has run faster than any person I've seen. Because I've not witnessed Usain Bolt in person. This is the fastest human I've ever seen. It was Ruggs. It was Henry Ruggs, who ended up being one of the fastest players in the history of college football in the NFL Combine. I then realized, you know what? I need to take a few more minutes, and I need to get a little bit more footage here, because we're watching Ross, and we're watching Henry Ruggs, and it was then that it dawned on me, oh, that's right, Ruggs is going to Alabama. Yeah, he is kind of a big deal. But when you're in a rush, you don't really stop to think about that. You just say, "Uh, what was that bullet that just ran past me? Oh, it's Ruggs and Ross on the same field. 
So that was really nice to be able to see. I'll tell you another good one that I really always enjoyed covering was Terry Godwin, who played at Callaway High School, goes on to play at Georgia, had a really good career there. One of the nicest kids you'll ever be around. One of the most gut-wrenching scenes that I ever saw that you guys did not get to see was after the SEC championship game in 2017, when it was Georgia versus Auburn. They have open locker rooms after the SEC title game. So I'm there. We, we cover both teams. We cover Georgia and Auburn. They're both kind of in our viewing market. It's a Columbus, Georgia is a hodgepodge of Alabama, Georgia, Auburn. It's a great place to work. I mean, if you're if you're looking to get into the college football side of this business and you want to have a really underrated TV market to work in, go work in Columbus, Georgia. You get to cover the biggest programs. You're right in the heart of the SEC. It's a great place to be. So anyway, we're in both locker rooms after the game. You know, the, the Auburn side's pretty distraught, but the Georgia side, I mean, they're elated. They just won the SEC championship. They avenged a loss a few weeks earlier to Auburn. And so Terry Godwin's in there, Nick Chubb's in there. That was a really good Georgia team, obviously, because of what I'm about to tell you they went on to do. And Terry Godwin's got an ear-to-ear smile, just like he's always had anytime we've ever interviewed him, anytime we've ever talked to him. So then a month later, same building, same Georgia team, loses a heartbreaker to Alabama. National championship game, well-documented. I'm in the Georgia locker room after that game. Exact same look on Terry Godwin's face. Ear-to-ear smile, and it's not that he's happy, it's just that's kind of the way he's always been. And I mean, he's right there. I'll tell you, man, that Georgia team... They had some ambassadors, really good ambassadors for the university and for the program because they were right there front and center to answer questions as respectfully as you would ever hope to be. And I've been in those settings and I've been around folks and I don't blame them, but I've been around folks who aren't like that after they've lost. And so um, Nick Chubb, Terry Godwin, again, were two guys that you knew you could go to, even though they were 19, 20, 21 at the time. They acted like they were 39, 40 or 41 at the time. Really professional. It's crazy, though, in those atmospheres, because think about that. Both of those games, you had Georgia-Bama and you had Georgia-Auburn. Those are both instances where we're down there in Columbus and we're covering both teams in both games. So I'm there with just the lovely and esteemed Brooke Kirchhofer, who works down in Baton Rouge now. First time she's ever heard me say her last name uh, publicly, by the way. So, you know, we're having to dead sprint out of one locker room all the way across the field, get to another locker room. And it's, it's it's the wildest juxtaposition of mood you'll ever see because you're going from a place where someone just lost a championship and had the entire preseason's goal-setting rug ripped out from under them over to a room where every one of their preseason goals and aspirations have just been realized. It is wild, and you got to handle yourself differently because you know you know all those guys. You've covered all of them, and so you got to be sad for one group, and then you can be happy for the other group, and then you walk out and you do your stand up on the field, and it's like, did we really just get paid to witness all this? By the way, we just got fed free food, and we got paid. Oh, and we get to park right next to the stadium too. It, listen, in case you can't tell, it is the small things in life that really just send me over the moon. And every time I realize I'm getting to park for free and a lot, I used to have to pay like $120 to park in back in the day when I did not have the $120. I get out of the car, I extend both arms, and I look towards the sky like I'm Andy Dufresne, fresh out of Shawshank Penitentiary. Yeah, I hope that was vivid enough for you. Uh, So let's wrap this up, okay? Because we got a lot to get to this morning. Uh, Not me and you personally, although I will be speaking with you. And I want to remind you again, promotion time. 
tomorrow, if you're listening to this Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, it'll be live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, several of the Facebook channels, and the main 24-7 Sports Facebook channel. It is the five-star reveal show. So this is a big deal now. I mean, those of you who understand signing days coming up, we got the five-star reveal, and then a week after that, so next Wednesday, we've got the live three-hour National Signing Day special. That'll be myself, Steve Wolfong. You'll also be hearing from a number of our national experts. Uh, there's a lot still on the table, a lot. I mean, we, we got a lot of storylines to follow, so make sure you tune into that. Subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel in the process, uh, if you haven't already, and hit that bell for notifications. It really helps you out because there's a lot going on. I mean, if Tennessee hires a coach later today, I'm not going to wait till we do a live show. I'm going to put up a reaction video, and the only way you're going to know it's there is if you refresh the channel all day or if you go about it the easier modern way and just click the little bell icon and turn on notifications. Also, if you want to grab one of these Zoom consultation slots that I was talking about earlier, you want to explore sports media or start your own YouTube channel about cooking for all I care. It's not really a game of luck these days, guys. It's a game of science. So do you know it or do you not know it? Uh, fortunately, the, this is one of the few areas that I can speak with some authority in. So email me, joshpate706 at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Twitter at LateKickJosh. For producer Jordan on the podcast side of things, which is where we are, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for listening. Really love having you guys here, not going anywhere. It's going to be a fun off season, and I know it's going to be fun because it's going to be powered by you. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.